Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene right here on WGWG. We appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, and as you know, at Cinema Scene, if you have listened to us before, we talk movies. Uh, sometimes we have movie reviews, we'll have movie features, and we have movie interviews. And I'm very happy today. Uh, to have the cinematographer uh, Mihai Malamare Jr. Uh, from the, uh, wow, uh, so many films you've been involved in with so many incredible talents. I mean, I look at these folks, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, and then now uh, we're talking about Jojo Rabbit, uh, a film that's getting uh, so much love uh, as it should. And uh, hey, uh, Mihai, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate your time and uh, really appreciate your attention and really appreciate what you have brought to cinema. Uh, And before we dive in, because we are going to spend some time talking about Jojo Rabbit, but I would love for our listeners to get a little background on on who you are, where you came from and how this love of of cinema began. And uh, you can kind of dive in wherever. Uh, I know you're not from North Carolina, that's for sure. Definitely it went way back um, because my father is an actor. Um, he He's more of a theater actor, but I remember when when I was really little, uh, he had a, a, a TV show for kids in Romania. So that's one of the reasons I have a, a steel with me holding a light meter measuring myself at age of two. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I, I guess growing up in the Romanian National Theater in Bucharest, and um, I remember when I was 14 or 15, my father had a show that he directed uh and because he 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 did a lot of pantomime and uh, he uh, he tried to to do a lot of theater shows with, with very few words a lot of it was based on lighting and uh, and he had a in this particular show um i remember it was the overcoat by gogo uh he had 180 light changes wow and i remember that kind of uh, that impressed me so much because i realized I realized how much you can do with light in, uh, in even in a, in a small fixed space like a theater stage, and slowly uh, I started realizing that I really want to be a cinematographer. And uh, I remember my father gave me a few books and uh, and he enrolled me in a still photography uh, program, like an after school still photography program. And from from that moment, everything kind of developed that that way um, but uh, it was interesting I, I mean i remember uh, like a lot of people were asking me why not theater or why not acting and i don't know why I, I guess i was really attracted to 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 technical things but also uh cinema had 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 a really interesting impact on, on me when, when i was really little yeah, and cinema is a visual medium, and uh, every other aspect of it is important as well, the production design, the sound design, the score, uh, and, and yeah. of course, the, the talent. But, but it, if you don't have the camera, uh, it, it is just, uh, it is, you know, it is radio theater, basically. And so, yeah. you know, when you're thinking about the camera, um, you know, you talk about lighting, but there's also the color, color theory that comes into play, uh, how color can tell the story. 
At, at what point did you realize, you, you talked about the lighting early on and understanding lighting was important, but at what point did you understand that color can help tell a story as well? Uh, I, I think I, I had uh, amazing teachers because after after that I I, I the, the film school in Romania was a, a four year program I think now it's a three year program but uh, I think I was introduced to to an amazing book um, that is called Art and Visual Perception by Rudolf Arnheim and uh, it, it was fascinating to to read about how you can channel the audience's emotions by using uh, composition and color and uh, contrast and uh, it was fascinating and I, I could early on see it in, in other movies how it was used and uh, it, it's definitely an amazing like array of tools that we, we have as cinematographers. Absolutely. Were, were there certain films that you were drawn to when you first started getting this uh, interest? And I know you said you've had this interest since you were two years old, but are, are there certain films that you go back to that you think of and remember, yeah, that is one of those films that I will always think about when I think about why I do what I do? Uh, it's a funny story. I don't remember exactly why, but um, or maybe uh, I think... I was probably five or six years old when my parents took me to uh, to a movie, and that was Tarkovsky's Stalker. And uh, I think the reason they took me is that they couldn't find a babysitter or something <laughs> like that. But also, it, it's interesting. Of course, I didn't I didn't get anything from that movie at that early age. But what I remember is like growing up and starting being interested in movies i i remembered images from from that movie and uh like the the the, the shot with the room full of sand or the water dripping and uh, when i saw it again at like a uh, more like normal age for watching that movie i, I realized how much those images stayed with me um, another one that i discovered probably right before film school was uh, brazil Yes, and that one stayed with me as well. And it's interesting. I mean, it's not that I discovered how much a visual image can talk to a, to an audience because I, I learned that from my father early on, just being in the audience, uh, watching his shows, and like hear other people reacting to certain visual cues. But um, it, it definitely those those movies uh, had a had an important part to to play. So, so you knew that uh, this was the profession that you wanted to go into quite early in life. You pursued it uh, in, in school. And, uh, and talk about when that opportunity first afforded itself to you that you knew that you were going to be able to have a good career in this and have opportunities. Do you remember what that moment was? They, I mean, there were there were a few moments. Uh, it's, it, it's it's pretty much um, as soon as I finish uh, film school. Of course, I was expecting I was expecting some phone calls, and they never came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was quite surprised, but I I did work uh, during the film school. I did work uh, on on a few movie sets and. Uh, I, I, I'm happy I did that because I, I was a steel phone set, electrician, um, camera assistant, and, and so on. So 
But it, it's funny how we all think that as soon as we, we get the diploma, like the, the phone will start ringing right away. <laughs> that never happened. Uh, now, in Romania, it is a little bit of a different system. And like the whole Europe has a different system. Uh, uh, the, the state is financing a certain amount of movies because and it's a broader discussion. There are not enough theaters, so it's not, it, it cannot evolve yet into a real uh, business. So um, it, it was a moment where I knew that movies can be made even if with, with just a little bit of, of money, but uh, I found myself kind of starting, like, like everybody else, a little bit from scratch and starting again with, with, with short films. Uh, luckily, that period was where all, all the Romanian wave started and all, all the great directors from, from that period were, were starting doing shorts. And uh, most of our shorts, the director wa- I, I worked with was uh, uh, Constantin Zatescu, and the, we worked on a, on a script by Christian Mungiu. So they were all, uh, we were all trying to, to, to rediscover cinema and uh, the Romanian wave, new wave was a real part of it. Uh, now that's exactly when, when so I, I did two, two feature, two Romanian feature films and that's exactly when Francis Coppola came to, to town to, yeah. <laughs> to, to shoot Youth Without Youth. Now that was a really interesting process because uh, I learned later um, Francis wanted to uh, to see as many actors as possible because there were so many parts in Youth Without Youth. But he really wanted to, to use uh, uh, an entirely Romanian crew, so he was looking for a cinematographer as well. So he he did it in his own style, which uh, it might seem strange to everybody else, but uh, for 10 days he, he took three uh, pages uh, from the script and for, for 10 days he... He shot the same three pages with different actors and different cinematographers just yeah. to, to see what his options are. And uh, I was 29 at that point, so my <laughs> my whole uh, I never thought I would I would uh, get the part. So right. in my mind, I was I was so happy that I would get the chance to have to to spend eight hours shooting with with Francis. So. Probably my mindset, and, and later he, he told me that definitely my youth and inexperience played a, a, a great part, and because the movie was about becoming young again, so uh, it was unbelievable. Like a few months later, when I after the test, when I when I received an email from Francis, I was like, oh my god, this is actually happening, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. now I really have to do it. <laughs> um, it was a really interesting part, and. Uh, it was it was the first time because Romanian school back then was so much based on film, like like most of the film schools uh, in that time. And uh, Francis had bought two Sony F900s, and he was really interested in in, in shooting digital. And I had no zero experience. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and 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 you've had a chance to work with him on other projects as well. Um, and I guess the budgets for those films were a bit different than the budgets for uh, The Master or even Jojo Rabbit. And d- does that, how does that make your job different? It, it does, but also uh, Francis, Francis's approach is so great because 
um, like uh, he knows he doesn't have the the, the budget, but uh, he told me at one point, like we don't have all the tools, but we have all the time in the world. Wow. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. Because we because we shot in Romania and then we shot in Argentina, like uh, those projects from from beginning to the end, they took almost two years. Wow. Uh, but uh, it's not that we shot for so long. We we, we shot like two, three months, I think, but it was never a pressure of time. It was more about a, a pressure of the, uh, being creative yeah. and finding the right the right choices with very little that we had. So uh, it's, it's a trade-off, but it's, a different, it's definitely an interesting approach. Now, that being said, those budgets were 10 times bigger than any Romanian uh, a movie budget at that time so right. <laughs> it was a jump for me for me anyway and we actually had quite a, a little more equipment that i had in, on my first two romanian features um so it, it was an interesting interesting period where we but because of that we were we were so creative and, and a lot of times like you can be creative when 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 you have the time restriction as well but uh, and then you compensate with with the amount of tools that you you can use, but there it was it was never it was always about getting it right and 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 watching the rehearsals properly and and uh, but also like his attitude was great because it was like oh if we don't get it today we'll come back tomorrow so <laughs> yeah it's, it's a different process but right it's definitely very interesting. Yeah, and I think it's you know when you when you have to come upon those deadlines, many times you're forced into that creativity. But when you've when you've got the freedom, uh, it does allow things to happen sometimes that you never would have expected. And, and I know that you've worked in both situations, and it sounds like you prefer uh, the the freedom that uh, the creativity will provide when you have a little more time. Uh, I mean, in theory, I'm. I'm I always joke that we are half artists and half engineers. I, <laughs> right. I do enjoy, I do enjoy all the tools and all the all the things that that we can now use. So it's it, it's interesting. I get I guess I enjoy both. I, it may be like a a little bit of a, a melancholy involved yeah. when when I talk about Francis's movies. But uh, I think there is always a trade off, and even like I I guess it's it, it's interesting how sometimes. And I was talking to, to Taika about about that, and I, I was surprised to find the same thing. I guess without any, having any restrictions, we we, we suffer somehow, and uh, sometimes we try to pin ourselves into a corner just to, to find an interesting way to get out of that. Uh, so that's why I think restrictions of any kind, they're, they're really good, even if it's time or or tools, or, or yeah. anything else. Well, you know, you, you nailed it, because I do think, I look at cinematography as both a science and an art, and, uh, you know, m- many uh, general audiences will just look at, at cinema as just the art, but there is so much science that goes on behind the scenes uh, to make it happen, and when I look at Jojo Rabbit, I see this beautiful marriage of both, and what you were able to pull together uh, in that film that had comedy, it had drama, it had tragedy, it had elements of really horror, uh, you know, the true, true life horror. And you were able to capture each of those within this, this lens and this frame 
that made it, made them come to life. And the, the transitions that were made there were just brilliant. And I'd love for you to talk about how you were able to make those particular scenes come to life. What are some of the research and things you did to, to make that happen? What we, uh, and, and, and something that, that I try to make it happen for, for every project and, and to do as many camera tests as, as, as possible. And uh, a lot of times it's, uh, the most interesting part of it is, is choosing our canvas and, and trying to figure out what would be the best uh, aspect ratio to shoot a certain project in. And uh, I remember we had probably five different camera tests wow. just to determine that. And what that does, it, it, it's pretty great. I mean, a camera test is, uh, is amazing for everybody because uh, you are more relaxed. You're, you're not actually shooting, but in a way you are, so you can see how your crew uh, works. Uh, especially if they're not your your usually your, your usual keys, um, so for us it was it was something that we we spoke about it Taika and I and we none of us we, we had a definite answer on paper uh, in terms of aspect ratio so we really wanted to go through everything and trying to see uh, if we if we put two people in a room further away from each other or really close to each other, how different aspect ratios uh, will work. We, we, what was interesting about it is that a lot of times like you shoot this camera test and everybody watches on a TV or on a laptop, but we, we decided to, 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 go the, to do it the right way and, and go into a theater and watch it projected. So that, that played another important part. And, the anamorphic lenses were something that we really wanted to, to use. And uh, uh, Hawk, uh, uh, Vantage has these amazing Hawk lenses, uh, the 1.3 uh, squeeze, and those allowed us to, to, to shoot a 185 anamorphic. So from all these camera tests, we, we took everything and like discussed a lot about everything and watched uh, uh, projected footage and decided on, on 185. Anamorphic, and that worked really well. Um, and I think what that gave us is those those velvety like skin tones and all the other interesting um, elements from 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 an anamorphic lens, like flares and amazing falloffs and uh, and really interesting uh, background. Well, this is such an, an amazing film to see on the big screen because there is so much to see. Uh, and there are also these subtle things that I think worked really well. I, I think about the perspective that you chose when, uh, you know, when you're looking through Jojo's eyes and, and kind of seeing what Jojo sees. Uh, talk about the decision to go that route. We, we realized, I think we... we we spoke about uh, any any point of view, and like if the camera should become like a real POV, like Jojo's POV, and we 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 both felt that there was only one scene where that could work, and and that there are so many other interesting elements that uh, our only uh, tool would be to just lower the camera a little bit, or during the rehearsals kind of bend down a little bit and, and see how the world looks from, from Jojo's height. Um, and, and I feel that that worked really well because 
uh, I, I think the the most important uh, part now that we have so many so many tools available, the most important thing is how to to try not to use all of them at once and trying to <laughs> to kind of yeah. uh, uh, tone down and, and and decide on on like what's the best tool for a scene or for even per shot. So you don't jump into 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 everything because as you said, like color is important, camera moves are important, composition is important, lighting is important. Yes. <laughs> and we're trying to to determine and to to figure out what's the the what's this scene about and how uh, what would be the best uh, tool to 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 dominate that scene. Now, with um, a, a choice to use or not to use handheld cameras talk about how that came about um we, we spoke like one, one of the the most important decisions i think we, we, we took and uh one of the first conversations we had um was about color and uh, we it was definitely just uh, movies are such amazing because of the the amount of teamwork involved and uh Taika had this idea. I, I remember I had kind of the same feeling when the first time when I saw uh, a color image from World War II because we were so used to to black and white archival footage. Uh, the first time I saw some some uh, steels and um, like in color from from World War II, I was shocked because for some reason we, we cannot perceive that there was so much color at that time in, in, in Germany. And uh, that was one of the one of the things we, we definitely spoke about that we will use an abundance of colors and, and like we don't want to shy away from color saturation. So um, we knew that that would be very special for for the audience, and we felt that going handheld might be an extra element that might be too modern. <laughs> Okay. So yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke about the necessity of having a really classical approach when when it when it comes to, to camera movement, and I think that played that played really well because uh, it, it has a certain like there are so many uh, uh, movies done in, 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 that use handheld, and I, I enjoy shooting handheld. It's a, it's a really great tool, but uh, I feel that because there's an abundance of of of, of handheld now. Going more classical actually helped with uh, with a certain vintage feel for for Georgia. Yeah, I, I think it I think it worked incredibly well. And you were talking about going back and looking at some of those images. Where did you get inspiration for some of the uh, choices you made? Did you did you look at documentaries? Did you look at old printed photos uh, from World War II with uh, with kids in them? What were some of the things that kind of helped you? Um, guide you through this process. Uh, we we started. I think one of the uh, one of the first things we, we watched, and I think kind of the only <laughs> the only thing was there uh, the, uh, was a scene in, in cabaret um, where uh, where a young kid uh, uh, sings the "Tomorrow Belongs to Us," uh, yeah. a kid in a young boat uh, uniform and. Uh, there was uh, I, I, there was something that that we wanted to to, to watch just to uh, to I don't think it was necessarily a, a visual 
like strong visual references, uh, reference. Uh, it had a few interesting uh, shots, but I think we watched it just for the for the vibe of, of the era. Um, and the same for um, for stills because I, I I really like still photography a lot, and I, I admire street still for still photography so much. And uh, going back to to the Magnum Magnum Photo Agency. Uh, there are some amazing, amazing steals from World War II, uh, a lot of them with kids. And it's fascinating because you're, we started printing those and putting them on the wall, and even there is the black and white photos, but the, uh, the first time you look at them, uh, they seem normal, uh, kids that play. And uh, the closer you go, you realize, oh, they're like, playing close to a pile of bombs, or they, they wear gas masks, or... Uh, there was so much going on, and uh, it was definitely interesting for us because we wanted to tell the, the story to a ten-year-old kid's eyes. So uh, that that was an important important part. And then I remember we watched, uh, I think it was the BBC documentary that was called um, Hitler's Children, and there were a lot of interviews who, with, with people who were part of, of Hitler Jung and. and uh, it, it was fascinating to hear uh, all those those stories and uh, be sad most yeah. part. Well, I I have to tell you, uh, Jojo Rabbit is on my best off for 2019 on so many different levels. Uh, it was a a visual feast, but it was an emotional film uh, in in so many ways, and the acting was just superb as well. It's one of those films that I look at and I say from top to bottom, it is as close to perfect as a film can be. And uh, I want to thank you for your work uh, on Jojo Rabbit. And I want to give you a chance to just say any final words or final thoughts uh, you would like our audience to know about Jojo Rabbit or about your work. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think it's an amazing movie as well. And I, I do hope there'll be uh, as many people watching it. Possible. Well, uh, Mihai Malamari Jr., I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your work. And um, if uh, anyone wants to uh, to see your work, they can uh, they can find uh, more information about you on uh, IMDb, or they can also go to your website. Uh, you have a website as well, and uh, I do appreciate you uh, again taking the time to talk with me uh, during uh, during this uh, busy busy award season. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Till next time, for Cinema Scene, I'm Noel T. Manning II, and that is a wrap.